This past weekend, I had the privilege of sharing at a conference down in Trustville, Alabama. You know, Pastor Tyler is pastoring down there. And we had a conference. He hosted a conference on the supernatural aspects of the Christian life. And one of the things that I, I got to share on was the spiritual gifts. Uh, and uh, I'm going to share that again with you tonight, not just because it's convenient, but I love this topic. Uh, and I think the Lord would want to stir us to use the gifts that he's given to us. He hasn't given them to us for no reason. He's given them to us to what? Use, right? And so I'm gonna do um, kind of an overview of the gifts. I'm gonna center mainly on the ones in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, I'll make reference to some of them. Some of them I'm just gonna summarize because time doesn't permit me to go into detail on all of these. And then I'll draw some application for us at the end from this passage. Does that sound good? Okay, so we'll, we'll hop right in. Uh, it's going to be quite a bit of information to start, and I know the Lord is going to minister to us with this. You know, 1 Corinthians 12 opens with this verse. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. The New King James Version says, ignorant. And you know, Paul says this a couple of times throughout the New Testament about things he wanted the church to really know. And what is it? What are those topics in Scripture that there's a lot of confusion around in the New Testament church? It's the things he says, I don't want you to be uninformed about these things. And so that's why I think it's so important for us to discuss the spiritual gifts. Number one, because I think some people shy away from it, not your pastor. I certainly don't. But there are some who do. But it's so, uh, these gifts are so uh, critical for the function of, of the church. Now, whether it's willful rejection or a general unfamiliarity with the gifts, there's just a general unawareness of the teachings about the gifts and how they function. Very basically, spiritual gifts are this. Supernatural abilities that God gives to his people to accomplish his work. That's what spiritual gifts are. Supernatural abilities God gives to his people to accomplish his work. They're different than natural abilities. Maybe you can sing. Maybe you can, maybe you can play an instrument. Maybe you're really great at underwater basket weaving. Uh, maybe you're great at a sport. These are all natural talents that can also, by the way, be employed in the, the Lord's service, but they are not spiritual gifts that we see in Scripture. And I believe God's will is that we know about all of the gifts, specifically that we know what our gifting is, and that we use them. So, let's look at an overview of the gifts. There are three primary passages that speak on the gifts. The first is 1 Corinthians 12, which I'll read that. The other two are Romans 12 and Ephesians 4. Let's read there in verse uh, 4 of 1 Corinthians 12. It says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Who receives them? To each one. Every believer receives one, at least. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. 
Well, I want to take a look here at the first gift that we see in this list, and that is the gift of wisdom. Maybe you've heard about it before. Maybe you have this gift. How does it function? Well, the gift of wisdom functions to give pointed, specific application of knowledge, right? You probably heard that, that definition of wisdom before. It's the application of knowledge. Not just knowing things, but knowing what to do with that knowledge. You know, in a situation where there's dissent between brothers or sisters, there's a disagreement, or if there's a need for a clear path forward, maybe in a ministry that you lead, or a, a situation in your life as you serve God, this is when the gift of wisdom functions. If there was dissent, there would be a specific word of wisdom for compromise. If there were seemingly unsolvable circumstances, there would be a remedy. And these solutions would bring glory to God. In fact, when that solution is, is brought forth, your thought would be, that's the Lord. That's the Lord in this circumstance. The one Old Testament example of wisdom working in this way is Solomon in 1 Kings 3. Remember the two women with the, the child, the children? One died and the other was living. And Solomon was like, all right, let's cut that baby in half. It's like, what kind of solution is that, right? Like, what, what are you talking about, Solomon? But we know through the story that that's exactly what he needed to say because the real mother came forth and wanted what was best for the living child, right? That was wisdom that God had given. And in the New Testament, there are several examples of this, but the one I would just draw your attention to is Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, where in the early church there was a division between, uh, well, a disagreement, really, between the Hellenistic widows and the Hebrew widows about the daily distribution. And the apostles were like, well, we really need to make sure that the distribution is attended to. So let's select seven men full of the Spirit, and we'll see that they tend to this. And what we read at the end of that chapter is what? It pleased everyone, right? It was from God. That was wisdom for that situation. Maybe you see in your life you have this gift. When situations come to you, maybe in the church or as it relates to ministry or in your, in your life, you have walked in this gift. It's a beautiful gift that God has given to the church. The second here, I told you we were going fast. I'm not going to spend much time on each one. The gift of knowledge. Chuck Smith says of this gift, it is knowledge of things we could not know through acquisition or study. All right, so this isn't going to college, getting a bunch of information downloaded into your brain. This isn't just the things that we learn through life experience uh, and, and things that we can uh, grow to know. This is a specific drop of information that God puts in your heart and your mind about a person's situation or circumstance so that you can minister to them. Maybe they are struggling and they're ensnared in a sin and God wants to free them. God will give you information about that so that you can go and minister to that person. Or maybe they are going through a tough situation or uh, whatever it might be. God will give you previously unknown knowledge to you so that you can go and minister to them. And I tell you, it takes faith to take that knowledge and then go to that person with that information. But the Lord does this, and it's, it's an amazing way that God strengthens the church ministers to people who might otherwise be closed off to the body of Christ, strengthens people, bringing them out of sin, encouraging them in their situation that they haven't shared with anyone. And you might be, you know, if you think of like, oh, well, sin might be exposed, you might be thinking, ah, this gift kind of scares me. Well, we do know that if we hide our sin, Scripture says what? Be sure your sin will find you out. 
And this is one of the ways that the Lord does that. And it's not to like freak us out. It's to purify your life so that you can walk closely with the Lord. And so this is just one way that this gift can function. Let's look at the gift of faith. The gift of faith. Of all the gifts to try and describe, I think this one is, at least from my perspective, it's one of the hardest. It's like we're all called to have faith, right? We're all called to trust in the Lord. So what does the spiritual gift of faith look like? Well, this gift of faith, as you look at some of the examples throughout Scripture and church history, it functions such that people who operate in this gift will step out in great trust in God into a ministry venture or for God to provide something for them when, as the world order goes and as, as we would consider in the natural world, all odds are against it. But yet there is this gift to press forward into it. You know, the best thing, that, that example that I can come up with in my mind is George Mueller. I mean, we're familiar with his life and story, right? And the orphanage that he was raised up by God to lead. And there's this story, maybe you've heard it, where he's got all the orphans there ready for uh, meal time and school days about to start and, and the cups are empty and the plates are empty. And he raises his hands and he's like, God, I am praising you for what you are about to provide. And the cups are empty, like there's nothing there. And then there's a knock on the door. The bread man, right, was woken up in the middle of the night to provide uh, bread for them. And then right there at the same time, the, the milk guy, his cart broke down. And so God provided that for him. So there's two kind of stories, right, of God's miraculous provision. But that gift of faith that functioned to trust God to provide for a need. What a beautiful example this gift is to the body of Christ. I love this gift. The gift of healing, the gift of healing. God still heals today, did you know that? He still heals. You know, there's some amazing testimonies that uh, I heard over the weekend while we were there, and I saw God heal people through this gift, a beautiful gift. And maybe you've had the privilege of seeing this gift function. I just encourage you, if you haven't, Scripture informs our doctrine not our experience, right? Scripture tells us what to believe and to expect. You know, the gift of healing is one where God miraculously heals an individual through a conduit of God's grace, an individual, to bring physical healing. Does it still function today? Absolutely. He heals in miraculous ways. He's given this gift to the church for the edification of the body and for the spread of the gospel. Too many examples through the New Testament to count. But Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, right? The man who was uh, at the, the beautiful gate, who was lame for most of his life, healed instantly. What an amazing testimony of God's grace. You know, I, this gift of healing is so, um, it just so demonstrates God's supernatural ability to do whatever he wants to do whatever he wants. And such a beautiful testimony of his love and his grace. The gift of miracles, very similar to this. Um, more generally, the gift of miracles deals with the Holy Spirit overriding the laws of nature. As one writer says, literally dunamis, or acts of power. This describes when the Holy Spirit chooses to override the laws of nature, working in or through an available person. 
We have some examples of this in the New Testament. Peter walking on water, water being turned to wine. And it seems like it would work closely with the gift of healings, especially miraculous healings like we read about in Acts chapter 3. But it is different. Uh, otherwise, it would be called the gift of healings. <laughs> um, I, uh, to be honest, I have not seen this gift operate. Um, but I've heard testimonies of those who have. And um, again, just because you haven't experienced a gift function does not mean it's not around for today. God has a purpose with this gift as well. Now, I want to take some time here to talk about the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy. You may hear teaching or doctrine today that says prophecy is not around. The gift of prophecy, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be looking for this gift. We shouldn't be expecting that God speaks uh, through this gift. Others will say that the gift of prophecy, they'll actually say it functions as good preaching or teaching. Uh, John Calvin, all the way back to John Calvin, he says, prophecy at present day is simply right understanding of Scripture and the particular gift of expounding it. I wonder what he does with a gift of teaching. What is that, right? And another well-known, well you would know his name if I shared it with you. He, he says he's a, a reformed pastor, reformed scholar. He says the gift of prophecy is simply the gift of preaching and of proclaiming the word of God. And it is proclaiming the word of God, but not necessarily in the sense that, that he's saying Ultimately, as I've mentioned with some other gifts, maybe, maybe you're in a place where um, you, you've worked already through this. You have, you have received by faith and trust what Scripture is teaching us, that all the gifts are for today. But maybe you're in a place where I was, a uh, similar place. Maybe you're sitting there and you're like, mm, I, just, I just don't quite, I'm not sure that all of the gifts are for today. I, I want to believe, but I just haven't really experienced them as Scripture says that they function. I just want to encourage you, I've been there, and what you need to do is you need to set your intellectualizing cap down and put on your cap of faith and trust in what God's Word says above what you can understand. I've been there, and uh, I, I know what it is like to work through those thoughts and those ideas of, I just don't get it, but you know what? These are, do you know what they're called? Spiritual gifts. They're not called natural gifts. They're called spiritual gifts because they are empowered not by us, but by God. And so the things that he wants to do and accomplish in our life, they aren't natural. Now, some might intersect, like the gift of healing with physical things and circumstances and things like that, but these are spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters. The supernatural aspects of the Christian life, and God still speaks today through the gift of prophecy. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying God is bringing new revelation on par with Scripture. When we say God still speaks through the gift of prophecy, we're not expecting additions to the Bible. All of the prophecy that comes today falls under the umbrella of that authority that we have. And this is why New Testament prophecy is tested. In fact, Old Testament prophecy was tested against the revealed Word of God in a much stricter way. But the gift of prophecy, it's a twofold gift. The foretelling of things to come and the forthtelling of God's character and 
nature. And they, they, they are applied in a, a specific situation in a person's life or a ministry's life that gives them direction or encouragement or upbuilding or strengthening. As it says in Proverbs 15, I, I think it's Proverbs 15, it is a word spoken in due season. God coming and speaking to you a word that you need to hear. And if you have this gift, you will have an inescapable sense from the Spirit to speak forth what you are about to say. If you didn't say it, it would be sin. So this prophecy, this gift of prophecy, is a beautiful gift that God has given to the church. Maybe you've been a beneficiary of it. I know I have been. I've been so encouraged, not, not through working through my life, certainly that, but, but when gifts of prophecy are spoken and it's received by the body, and there is a, a bearing of witness to what has been spoken, it is so encouraging, so encouraging to hear the Lord speak in that way. So the gift of prophecy comes, and it, it's going to bring encouragement, a word of comfort, a word of admonishment. And if you have the gift of prophecy, I, I know that there's been times if you've been wondering, is this just me, or is this the Lord really speaking through me. And again, we come back to faith. The Lord's stirring us to use these gifts, and we need to have faith to step out and use them. There's not always this, thus saith the Lord moment. It's not always lightning and thunder when all of this happens. In fact, I've never experienced that when the gift of prophecy happens. Uh, not strange voices or booms from heaven or anything like that. It's the Lord just speaking to his people, wanting to tell him a word and to encourage and strengthen us. So, the gift of prophecy. Let's look at the gift of discernment here. The gift of discernment that Paul lists. The gift of discernment is given to the church to discern for the health and benefit of the body of Christ. Maybe there is a decision that needs to be made, and there's not great outcomes on either side. God will give an individual the gift of discernment to know which path to go. Or maybe you have had this gift function, and I, I've seen this happen. The Lord will give and gift people with this gift um, to preserve and protect the body of Christ. Maybe there's an individual that has come into the midst of the fellowship who does not have good and pure intentions and is not there to be edified in the faith, but is there to make shipwreck of others' faith. God will give the gift of discernment, an unease, uh, the, the ability to know and see behind the motives of another individual and bring that to, to leadership or to deal with the situation in that time. He gives this gift to protect the body from potential confusion or harm, to be able to discern whether that statement from that person was genuine or they're trying to wedge their theology and their doctrine in to bring us down. And so this gift, you know, the gift of discernment, I pray for it. I, I, I am grateful for the people who have this gift and who function in this gift. A couple of scriptural examples are you know, Simon the magician thought he could profit off the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 8. Um, there was discernment given to Peter to see his motives. Acts chapter 13, Bar-Jesus, a false prophet, was seeking to undermine Paul's ministry at Paphos. And, 
And God, uh, well, <laughs> Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit to discern Bar Jesus' motives and also strike him blind. So, um, what, yeah, what an incredible story that is. Let's move on to the gift of tongues here. Okay, and, and I'm going to cover the gift of tongues, and I'm going to cover the gift of interpretation, and then I'm just going to touch on a couple of the gifts from the other list, and then I'm going to bring some application to us. The gift of tongues. You know, just, just like with the spiritual gifts, that there are some who say that these gifts don't function today, um, like prophecy, the gifts that are so explicitly encouraged to seek out, so explicitly encouraged to pursue are the ones that are so readily dismissed by a large portion of the church, and I think to great detriment. One of the most debated gifts, like prophecy, is the gift of tongues, concerning its existence, its purpose, and its use. The gift of tongues is a prayer language that God gives to an individual. It is a language previously unlearned, that God gives you the ability to speak forth those syllables. It could be a heavenly language, an earthly language, and it is speaking praise to God. Speaking praise to God. Remember it from this way. Paul describes it this way in 1 Corinthians 14, 2. He says, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. It's, it's worship to the Lord. It's praising God. I, I've seen this gift function a lot of times just in the overflow of worship. Maybe you've been in that prayer meeting where you've been praying, or maybe you've been in this room and you've just exercised that gift quietly to yourself as you've been worshiping God and you've just been praising Him and, and you are, are just filled to full of worship and adoration and praise to the Lord. This gift just overflows in that heart of worship and springs forth. Now, this gift functions corporately in conjunction with the gift of interpretation that we'll see here in a moment. And practically speaking, if somebody speaks in tongues, there's no one there to interpret in a prayer meeting. The gift should not function in that certain meeting any longer. But can I speak to those of you who have this gift or believe that you have this gift? Because there are almost everyone that I've spoken to that has this gift. They have this thought, am I just making this up? Like, is this just me? Like, this, like it just feels weird. There is not anyone that I've met who hasn't had that thought at some point with this gift. But you know, again, I, I just come back to this. You're probably going to get tired of me saying this as we go through this, this study. Our understanding of what we can conceptualize needs to bow to what is revealed to us in the pages of Scripture. We don't have to completely understand how God functions. We don't have to completely get how this language comes to us. It's by the Spirit. It's supernatural. It's, they're called spiritual gifts for a reason. And we need to trust God's Word and what He said above our own minds that would come against us and say, we're just making it up. Because anytime someone has shared the gift of tongues, there's such a stirring. Have you experienced it? There's such a stirring of, of edification and strengthening and, and just joy that comes when people are, you just know people are praising God in the language that he's given to them. 
And then when you hear the, the interpretation come, the edification comes to you as well in a more profound way. Experience is not the test of legitimacy. God's word is. He said he's given this gift to the church. We should receive it and use it. And the interpretation of tongues is used in tandem with the gift of tongues, though not every time the gift of tongues is used will there be interpretation, especially privately. And as we mentioned, if that's the case, then Paul's instruction in 1 Corinthians 14 is just to no longer use the gift of inter- or, excuse me, tongues in that corporate setting for the remaining time. But there should be a distinction made between interpretation and translation because maybe you have been in that prayer meeting where the gift of tongues functioned and there were like 15 syllables of, of tongues and the interpretation was like two words. Or you, you, you flip that, right? And, and there's a couple of syllables of tongues and then the interpretation is a couple of sentences long. See... Translation is word-for-word exact representation. It's not that the Lord can't do that in the function of interpretation, but interpretation is giving the sense of what is being said. Many times we have that experience. Can I just say it doesn't have to match lengthwise? (laughs) It doesn't have to match. The Lord is speaking. He's using the gifts. One example that I can give just of this concept, you guys are familiar with the book of Daniel, right? and the writing on the wall. There were three words that were written on the wall, weren't there? Well, what was the interpretation that was given? It was much longer than just those three words about the kingdom and what was uh, going to, to take place with the kingdom. The, the kingdom was numbered and finished it. That They'd been weighed in the balances, found wanting, so on and so forth. And so this gift of interpretation of tongues brings that message from that individual to God out into the open for us all to be encouraged and strengthened. Now, did you know, this is just an interesting note, the gift of prophecy is the only gift that, I, I forgot to, to mention this when we were going over that gift, is the only gift that's mentioned in all three of those passages. And it's the gift that Paul says we should, he encouraged the Corinthians to seek above all the others. He says, more than, more than speaking in tongues, I wish that all of you would prophesy. Now, as we go through Romans chapter 12 as well, there's the gift of serving, the gift of serving. I'm just going to mention this one and a couple of others, and we'll move to the, the application here. The gift of serving. Maybe you have this gift. It's otherwise known as the gift of helps, where the Lord uniquely gives a believer to meet the needs in the body of Christ, and not only this, but to do so with great care, effectiveness, abundance, and great Joy. This is a gift that largely works in the background of the church, not because it's less important than the other gifts, but because much of where this gift is used is in peripheral aspects of ministry, cleaning the church, maintaining the church, serving in hospitality, uh, organizing church items, meeting a need of a brother or sister who just has a practical need that they need met. Those who are gifted in this area, they're the first to sign up for these types of opportunities to serve, where there's a real practical need. And I love people with the gift of helps because they are uniquely qualified and empowered by the Spirit to edify the church by serving where there is a need. And when you hear that, it's like, okay, well, we are all called to meet the urgent needs of the church, bear one another's burdens, but remember, it's a spiritual gift that God specifically gives to the church 
to edify it. Again, the men in Acts chapter 6 are an example of this. And there's a little reference in Acts chapter 9, verses 36 to 43. There was a woman who had, um, uh, was full of good works and acts of charity. Just a description of her moving in that gift. There's other gifts that are listed. Time doesn't give us opportunity to, to go over them. The gift of teaching. The gift of exhortation. I mean, you know who these people are in the church who have the gift of exhortation because those are usually the ones that you avoid eye contact with when you walk in the door and you jet to the other side and, and enter through the other side of the sanctuary. These are the people who call us to action as believers. You know these individuals. And man, don't we need that? We need that. Sometimes we just need to be urged along, encouraged to, to take that next step of faith. The gift of giving, uh, the gift of leadership and mercy, extending kindness and grace to those who might be in need. In Ephesians chapter 4, there's a list of, list of five gifts, apostleship, shepherding, evangelism, prophecy, and teaching. And the only thing I'll say about these gifts is the gift of apostleship. We don't really use that term today. Think of these as missionary. Does it, is the gift of apostleship around today? Yes. Um, but we don't necessarily use that term. It's not because it's a wrong term, but just our culture uses more the term missionary. Those who are sent out to establish works. The gift of shepherding, pastoring, leading God's people, and the gift of evangelism. People who are just so gifted to communicate the gospel wherever they are. I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but whenever I share the gospel, it's not every time, but I usually, like, when I share the gospel, people look at me like I have three heads. Like, what are you talking about? And there's always, like, this kind of back and forth. Maybe it's just the people the Lord leads me to share the gospel with. Um, but the people with this gift are just so uniquely gifted to share the gospel. And not only this, people hang on every word that they say. And not always do they believe, but frequently people are led to faith through these brothers and sisters. Literally, this gift, literally building the church, edifying the church by bringing others in. Let's return back to 1 Corinthians 12, and I want to bring a couple of application points to, to our attention tonight. The first is this. Each gift is supernatural. Every single one. Now, in our perspective, there are some who are, some gifts that are more demonstrably supernatural, like with the gift of healings, the gift of tongues, but each one is powered by the Spirit. Read again with me in verse Four. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And again, in verse 11, he says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who portions to each one individually as he wills. Can we just take a step back for a second? And just consider that God wants to use us. God has given his spirit to work through us supernaturally. Like, who are we? You think about the, the life that you've been saved from. We don't deserve this. But God has said, you know what? I know how I'm going to work through the church. I'm going to send my spirit to them, and I'm going to give them gifts. And I'm going to work through them because I want to. That's what God desires to do in us. This reality should floor us. That God wants to work through us supernaturally according to the power of the Spirit that he gives to us and the gifts that he gives as well. You know, when Jesus was with his disciples, what did he say in the night before he was betrayed? 
He says in John 16, it's to, my, it's to your advantage, what? That I go away. And he says, for if I do not go away, then the helper will not come. But I, I, if I go, I will send him to you. And you know, like, you've contemplated this passage before. I know if I was sitting there, I'd be like puzzled in my brain, like, how could it be better for me, Jesus, whom I've spent three years with, walking with and being taught, for you to go away? How is that better for me? But we see it. We have the, we have the benefit, and they have the benefit of experiencing the, the outpouring of the Spirit and the, the giving of the gifts and the birth of the church, and, and it's to our advantage well. The Holy Spirit indwells us, and he fills us for the work of ministry and so I want to encourage you, whatever your gift is, don't discount it. God has given you, if you are a believer, you have at least one spiritual gift. And many times you might have more. Can I encourage you? There are no second-hand gifts, no second-rate gifts in the kingdom my wife loves going to Goodwill and shopping and doing like thrifting stores. Does anybody else love thrift shopping? I just, does anybody not like thrift shopping? I can't, I just don't, I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not a, I'm not a thrift shopper. I like buying stuff new. Uh, sorry, it's just, it's just how I am. Um, you know, there's no thrift shopping with the gifts of the Spirit. God gives it, I'm not, I'm not, Anyway, let's move forward. There's, there's no second-rate gifts in the kingdom. You know, when, when, you teach, when you teach the children's ministry and the kids are understanding what you're teaching them and they're learning spiritual truth, that's, that's God's spirit working through you supernaturally. That's God. That's God. When, when you clean the building and you pray for people, to experience God when they come here. And they come and they have a sense that this is God's house. I'm gonna meet with the Lord today. That's the spirit of God working through you and the gift of helps. When you speak forth that word of prophecy that cuts to the heart of the brother or sister across the room, that perfect word in due season, that is God's spirit working through you. When you exhort a brother or sister to take that next step of faith and commitment to Christ, that is the Holy Spirit empowering you for effective ministry and upbuilding of the church. And when you schedule those servants, you organize that event, that is the Spirit of God gifting you with administration so that the believers in that body can be encouraged and built up Wherever and however you are gifted with these spiritual gifts, remember, they are all supernatural. They're given by Jesus. And I, just on this note, I say, don't envy the gifts that are given to others and not to you. Now, maybe there's a gift that you feel God is prompting you to pray for. Then do that. We are called to earnestly desire the gifts. So if you earnestly desire a gift, do that. But if you're like, man, I just wish I wasn't gifted with this. I was, wish I was gifted with that. Hold on a second. 
God has chosen that gift for you. He, he has specifically chosen that gift for you. So use it and recognize that God has wanted to give that gift to you. And if you're stirred to ask for another gift, then you are well within your scriptural uh, encouragement to do so. The second thing is that each gift is necessary. Each gift is necessary. We need them all. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, for the building up of the church. In Romans 12, 4 and 5, Paul says it this way, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Paul will go on in 1 Corinthians 12, 21 to 31 to describe the analogy of the, the physical body. Like the body of Christ is, is like uh, our physical body. And each part, in other words, each spiritual gift is necessary for the complete functioning of the body, for good health. So all of them are necessary. I, can I just be honest with you here? I thought, I thought that waking up with a crick in your neck was reserved for when like, I hit 50 or 60. I have been sorely cheated. I, 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 woke, I have woken up, I don't know how many times, like two months ago, my arm didn't work right, you know, and then, and then I had this crick in my neck, and the point is, I notice when a part of my body isn't functioning right, and the rest of my body notices. Has anybody else had this, a similar experience? The point is, it's like, man, I really wish that thing was working like it should. I need it. And the same is true for the spiritual gifts. All of them are necessary for a healthy body. You know, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 12, if the whole body were an eye, how would one hear, right? How would one smell? I and mean, that would be a sight to see if the whole body were an eye. That would be a little bit strange, but you get the point, right? It, it, we need the hearing. We need the smell. We need it all. And the other thing I would say is we don't really get to determine whether or not the gifts God has given to us are necessary for where we are in our fellowship. God has already said they're all needed. He's determined that they are. And Paul will also go on to say that, you know, one part of the body can't say, well, we don't really need that gift. We, we don't need that to be exercised. It, one part of the body cannot arbitrarily dismiss another. Everyone is vital for the effective working, the vitality of the entire body, which leads me to this question. If you are not active in serving in the body of Christ where God has placed you right now, why not? Because the gifts that God has given to you are needed. They are needed for the effective working of the body of Christ. You understand the great privilege and the great joy that we have to serve Jesus with these gifts. We are gifted by God, brothers and sisters. He's given us the Spirit. We have supernatural ability. The Spirit's gifting to affect real spiritual change in the lives of those around us in the world. Everyone is needed. And God has chosen in this age to principally work through you and through me by the Holy Spirit. Which leads me to this encouragement. Don't neglect your gifts. Don't neglect your gifts. Paul says it 
in another way to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.14, Peter says this as well. You could say in the affirmative, use your gifts. Right? Don't neglect them. Use them. 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And in 1 Timothy 4, 14, he says, Do not neglect, Timothy, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. We should use them. If God has given them to, to us, we, we need to use them. Now, I think a few things can interfere, if we're honest. I think a few things can interfere with our, um, our pursuit of, of having these gifts function in our life. And I think fear or intimidation, um, timidity, or, or like a concern that you'll mess up or you're not hearing from the Lord. You know, our Father is a good Father. You know, Luke, in his gospel, he says, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, your God is a good Father. He's not going to go and, and, and give you something that's bad for you. He's not going to treat you poorly. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And I would just say, as Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has given us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind or self-control. God is a good father who will teach us. And if you are fearful that by stepping out in faith, you will somehow disappoint God or damage the body, God would say to you, step out in faith, and I will teach you, and I will guide you. Evidently, I mean, have you read Corinthians? They were a mess, weren't they? I mean, what a mess. But evidently, God would rather correct an overzealous and messy church, one who is pursuing after the gifts, than try and jumpstart one that's dry as a bone. And so God, God is interested in us seeking the gifts, and if it gets a little messy, we have Scripture and the Lord to bring us back to center. And so step out in faith and use the gift that God gives you. Don't let fear, don't let the enemy rip you off. Let him use you because, because if we let fear, we let any other thing get in the way of God using our spiritual gifts, then, then, then God wants to speak. And if we stay back, maybe the Lord won't bring that word to that brother who needs to hear it if we don't step out in faith. I think another thing is an undervaluation of God's gracious gift to you. And this really shows when we groan inward in our thoughts and, and as it relates to service and and I think the thing is that we show how much we value the gifts by how we use them. When I was in middle school and high school, I was gifted, many of you know I, I was gifted with a guitar, bass guitar, and um, I love playing the bass. It's just a fun instrument, I enjoy it. Um, I was not expecting this gift. Uh, my parents really like surprised me with this gift. And do you know what I did to show my appreciation? I, I promptly stuffed that thing back in, in, in the case. I said, thank you, mom and dad. And I put it right in the closet in the very back. So, no, of course not. I didn't do that, right? I, how did I appreciate that gift? How did I show my love and appreciation for them? I used it. God has given you a gift. Use it. Value it. 
by using it. And I think the other thing I mentioned again, the sense that you're not worthy or good enough. Maybe you've recently come to the Lord and your life has been a mess up to this point. You know what? God has loved you and brought you to himself. You don't have to earn your spiritual gifts. God gives them their gifts. God has chosen to use you and gift you. And I think probably a big one for us, as I come to a close here, is that there is sometimes a lack of clarity of what our gifting is. It's like, I just don't know. I, I don't know that I know what my gift is. I don't know that I, I can say, oh, I have the gift of teaching, or I have the gift of prophecy, or I have the gift, so on and so forth. Can I encourage you to, to see that we discover our giftings primarily as we serve? If you are sitting and waiting to discover your spiritual gift and you are not active in pursuing God to use you in your life, it will be very difficult to discover your spiritual gifting. So, how can I say this? Well, I think there's one really clear example. I made allusion to this passage before, but it deals with one particular individual, and that is Philip in Acts chapter six, right? Now, I've already summarized, there was that situation that came up with the Hebrew widows and the Hellenistic widows. And Philip was one of the seven who were chosen, full of the spirit, to essentially wait on tables, right? He, he was distributing food. I want us to see there was a need that came up in the church and Philip stepped into that need to serve. So, there was an immediate need, he served. Now, we catch up with Philip again in Acts chapter 8. There was an intense persecution that came on the church there in Jerusalem and the surrounding area, and the believers were scattered. But we catch up with Philip in Acts chapter 8. Do you know what he's doing? He's evangelizing in Samaria in the region. He's telling people about Jesus. And then he got called to go from there to the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. That's where we know he uh, preached to the Ethiopian eunuch. Described to him what he was reading in Isaiah 53, the eunuch, and, and he came to faith and he was baptized. And then I would love to be transported in this way by the Spirit. I, I, I do not like travel. I do not like travel. I am, I am anyway, I hate travel. Um, but uh, I, I do it as the Lord calls me to do it. But I wish I had the Spirit transport that. Philip had here in this instance, anyway, he was, he was brought to Azotus miraculously, and he just kept telling people about Jesus wherever he went. And this is the thing I think the Lord would want us to see here, is that I, I believe Philip walked into his gifting as an evangelist because he stepped in to serve where that immediate need was. He, he was being used by God there. And he discovered his gifting as an evangelist. And in in Acts chapter 21, it's actually what he's entitled. He's called Philip the Evangelist. You will discover your giftings as you serve. And I think the other thing too is you can ask brothers and sisters who are invested in your life and they can give you insight. The worship team can come up and I'll close here. And I just want to give you this encouragement Don't allow anything to get in your way 
of God fulfilling his plan in your life. Don't allow anything to get in your way of fulfilling God's plan in your life through the gifts. Ephesians 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Brothers and sisters, we need to be good stewards of the gifts God has given to us. We need to walk in them. Maybe you are walking well in your gifts. Continue to call upon the Spirit of God to fill you for effective service according to the gifts that He's given to you. Don't ever, don't ever give in to that temptation to believe that, that you can do it all or that you can, you can serve in your own power. No, you need the Spirit. I need the Spirit. We need the gifts that He's given to us, each one. And maybe you are kind of just sitting there and you've wondered why you haven't discovered your spiritual gift. Well, I know there's opportunities to serve and if this is your home church, then speak to someone about filling that need and I'm confident that God is gonna, he's gonna show you what your gifting is. So, what do you need for effective service in the body of Christ? Maybe it's a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit and of power. Maybe a conviction to use and not neglect the gifts you've been given. Or maybe you just need a fresh, uh, a fresh dose of faith to walk in what God has given to you. Then call upon the Lord. We'll, we'll ask the Lord to do that. And, and I just want to say, if you're not a believer, the Lord loves you. Know that, that God has has died on the cross for you and has risen to new, uh, to, has risen and, and in that we have the hope of new life. That, that the God of the Bible, Jesus, the Lord of Lords, he's got a plan for your life. You just need to trust him and believe in him and you can do that now just by asking him to forgive you of your sin and trusting that he is Lord and just ask him to forgive you and he will. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the gifts that you've given to us. Your word says, what is man that you are mindful of him? Who are we, Lord, that you are mindful of us? Yet, Lord, you have sent your son for us to die, to rise. And your word says that he ascended on high and he gave gifts to men. We thank you for the gifts that you've given to your church. I pray for Calvary Lynchburg. I pray that there would continue to be a full, a fullness of the gifts here. Lord, that there would be a demonstration of faith and of power and of the Spirit of God through this body, through our lives, to use the gifts that you have given to us. Oh, Lord, would you give us faith to step out into what you've given us to, to use? Lord, the gift of prophecy, tongues, interpretation, however you've gifted, would you increase our faith to step out and to use them and to not neglect them? We thank you, Lord, and we pray for a fresh empowering of your spirit tonight. Would you use us? We don't deserve it, Lord. But would you use us according to the gifts and the power that you have given to your church? Do this, we pray. 
in the name of Jesus. Amen.